I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. I'm Tom Tate. I will be your host and guide, taking you on a time-traveling trip through our past, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. It's that time once again, we are going to turn the pages of our favorite Nintendo magazine, Nintendo Power. This week, we are digging into issue number 18, the November-December 1990 issue. So we're coming up on a holiday season, not just any holiday season, that 1990 holiday season, which was a real exciting one, especially if you were a young kid back in the day. So this is Nintendo's final chance to push some of their precious product on all of those well-behaved boys and girls out there as well as their parents. So as always, we're going to time travel back to this era. We're going to remind ourselves and maybe learn what was actually happening back in the glory days of the Nintendo Entertainment System. So there was a week in November of 1990 where Child's Play 2, everyone's favorite demonic doll, Chucky, that movie was topping the box office for one week. But after that one week in November, it's pretty much Home Alone taking the number one spot for 12 straight weeks. So to put that in context... This is outrageous. A stretch, a run like this is pretty outrageous. The only comparable run before that, as far as I could tell, was Beverly Hills Cop, and that was back in 1985. So there was a five-year span where no film had touched this run. Home Alone takes the cake. If you're listening to the radio, if you're driving around doing some holiday shopping, you're probably going to be hearing a lot of Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby, because that topped the charts in November of 1990 as well. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Stevie B, uh, Whitney Houston's I'm Your Baby Tonight topped the charts in December. So these are all the popular songs that were playing back in the day. Also in November, so this is a nice uh, history lesson. The first known web page was apparently written on November 13th of 1990. So as somebody who publishes content on the web and somebody who relies on the internet to produce this show, Thank you, whoever was responsible for writing that first webpage. Also, to put this time period in context of video games, the Super Famicom, which would, of course, become the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, that was released in November 21st, on November 21st in Japan. So that's coming. That's coming to the U.S., and we are going to be covering that extensively in the next few episodes as we get into the Super Nintendo era We're going to be moving from the NES to the Super Nintendo. Uh, The Sega Game Gear uh, portable system was released in October of 1990. And that, of course, introduces color to handhelds, uh, which the Game Boy did not have at the time. So we know the Game Boy kind of had that greenish, grayish uh, scale color palette. The Game Gear, with all of its battery-sucking delightfulness, introduced full color. So that happened in October. Uh, In real news, if you're interested in this, the United States was in the midst of the Gulf War. Uh, And if you look back at the Time magazine covers from this time period, many of them alluded to war and the state of things, uh, except except for the last issue of 1990, Time magazine, that actually had Bart Simpson on the cover. So, of course, there's that. But if you were a kid back in the day, you were not so much concerned about what George H.W. Bush had on his plate. You were more concerned with tracking down a copy of Mega Man 3 at your local West Coast video. At least, that's what I was trying to do. Uh, You were more concerned with finding new and convincing excuses to get out of school so you could get some more extra game time in, that precious game time. One of the things that I would do is I would take a thermometer. This is a, a good trick, right? I would take a thermometer and I would stick it next to a light bulb so that my temperature would rise just a bit higher than it actually was. And I wanted it to be just high enough so that my mom would keep me home from school, but not so high 
that she would rush me to the doctor. This was quite the challenge. This was almost like a video game in itself. It took a lot of attempts to get this right. And every once in a while, I would actually get sick, right? I wouldn't be faking it. I would actually get sick. And, you know, there, was, there would be something contagious going around, maybe something at school, and my mom would have to take me to the doctor. Uh, but on the days where I, I faked it, on the days where I faked a bug, I got to stay home with another doctor. I got to stay home with my man, Dr. Mario. He'd write me a prescription, and that prescription would be for addicting puzzle action. And that would definitely cure my elementary school blues. So that is who graces the cover of Nintendo Power in issue number 18, Mario MD. So as with every episode, we're going to take a look at this issue's cover. We're going to take a look at the table of contents, and then we're going to jump right in to what this issue has to offer. So thanks for joining me today. Stick around. This is going to be a fun one. Lots of good stuff to cover. Lots of awesome music. And let's just jump right in. We'll talk about the cover of Volume 18, Dr. Mario. So the general color scheme for this, uh, there's like a bright pink, purplish background. Uh, Dr. Mario and the germs are in a bottle. And Dr. Mario is depicted in that claymation style that we've seen for a lot of the Nintendo first party titles. So Mario 3, uh, the first issue of Nintendo Power, Super Mario Brothers 2. It must have been either a staff member or they contracted somebody for all the first party Nintendo titles to do this kind of claymation treatment. It actually looks pretty good. I really like this cover. I like the stark contrast of the yellow and red Nintendo Power logo across uh, the purplish background. Of course, Nintendo Power is still $3.50 in the US, $4.50 in Canada. We have the headline here, Dr. Mario, Contagious Fun and Challenge. Don't miss huge reviews. We have Castlevania 3, Solar Jetman, Little Nemo, the players pulled this uh, this issue leads to the Super Bowl, so that's probably the prize here. Still have that official Nintendo seal of quality down in the lower right-hand corner, and the red strip down at the bottom says Nintendo, still the source for NES players straight from the pros. So really cool cover. Uh, I like this one a lot. I like the depiction of Mario as a doctor. Of course, Dr. Mario becomes kind of an iconic character. We'll talk about that uh, throughout the years of Nintendo. So check this one out. I I think the easiest way to check uh, these covers out is you can check the show notes. I put them in there. But also you can go to powertimepodcast.com slash 18 if you want to check out the cover or just do a quick Google search. You open it up, uh, this issue, we have, of course, you know, in the opening flap, we have light up your tree with power. And this shows a Christmas tree with a bunch of gifts underneath it and sort of hanging or floating on on the page is issues of Nintendo Power, covers of issues of Nintendo Power. So the headline here is plug into an electrifying gift for yourself or someone special. They're trying to sell subscriptions here, and I knew this was going to happen, right? We're so close to the holidays. Uh, Nintendo has a lot of products to sell, and one of those products is a product that sells other products, and that is Nintendo Power. Turning the page here, we have the table of contents. We're going to be covering Solar Jetman, Little Nemo, The Dream Master, Dr. Mario, Castlevania Three. Special features, we have Game Boy, the four-player extra, uh, which is just a preview of next episode, which is going to be one of the strategy guides. Howard and Nestor comic, Counselor's Corner, classified information, it's all here. Uh, Pack Watch, and we have a new section here called uh, Now Playing. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Nintendo chopped some of their reviews uh, that they usually do and consolidated that into a single section. But before we get started, before we jump into Dr. Mario, let's check out a few of Nintendo's featured games for Volume 18, starting with Solar Jetman. Exploring the universe can mean a hard day's work, but the rewards are great for a dedicated Solar Jetman. 13 unique worlds await exploration. On each planet, you'll fight angry aliens, the force of gravity, limited fuel supplies, and a maze of caverns. So why bother? To obtain the fabulous Golden Warp Ship. This is Solar Jetman for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Developed by Rare and Zippo Games, Solar Jetman was an awesome game. I recently had a blast revisiting Solar Jetman on the Xbox One a couple of years ago. So in 2015, I think, uh, it was included in the Rare Replay collection. Uh, so I bought an Xbox One for Halo and the Rare Replay collection. I played those two titles and I sold my Xbox One. 
Uh, and it was a good game. And I was happy to play this because I didn't really play it that much in the Nintendo era. I had a neighbor who had it and, you know, down the block, we would, we would trade games and I played it occasionally, but I didn't get sucked into it. So here in Nintendo Power, we learn all about the controls, the gameplay mechanics, and there's a huge list of accessories that you can use in this game, but you can only use one item at a time. So there's the Italian racing jet, uh, jet pod all the way to the titanium bullet pack to the super shield. It's all these cool nifty accessories. There's has to be at least 16 different items listed here in Nintendo Power. Uh, following the accessory section, we learn all about the different planets. So there is planet two, Mexomorph, Planet 3, Omebaru, Corso Kesro, Baki, Lamonte, Charlton, Shish Kebab, Zlaz Tortoise, and a few more. And there are maps of each planet with a little key to show the various items you can find. I think whoever named those planets was Hungry at the time, because if you're looking at the actual spelling, they all kind of allude to different foods. So this is a great game. Definitely check it out. We're not going to spend too, too much time on it. Uh, because I want to jump right into our next feature game, which is absolutely incredible. It's one of my favorites. But first, we're going to listen to a track from a new band that I just discovered. This is a New Orleans band called Start Select. And this is the first band that I've discovered in doing these episodes that I would actually describe as a Nintendo punk band. I like a lot of punk music, so I really enjoyed this. I hope that you do too. And we're going to jump right into it. Visit the fabulous dreamscape of Slumberland. Join Nemo on a trip through the dream world of Slumberland and get ready for some wide awake excitement. Fans of Super Mario Brothers 3's animal suits and fantasy setting will love Little Nemo. So this is Little Nemo Dream Master. It was published by Capcom. Uh, one of my absolute favorite games. I owned it. I played it hundreds of times. The game itself is based on a 1989 Japanese-American animated film that was actually penned by Chris Columbus, who was the writer of Goonies and Gremlins. And he was also the director of Home Alone, which we talked about earlier. So I learned a ton in just some quick research on Little Nemo, so I want to share with you some of that. The franchise itself, the character of Little Nemo, that was actually based on a classic comic strip from Windsor McKay, which dates all the way back to 1905 so this appeared in the new york herald i believe i believe that was the only source it appeared in but windsor mckay was actually responsible for one of the earliest animated cartoons it might even be the first animated cartoon that was called gertie the dinosaur and just a fun fact uh, i actually took a college course i took a college level course i paid money to take this course it was called the animated cartoon and it was taught by one of the smartest professors that I've ever had. He was a Harvard graduate, and it was one of the most challenging courses I've ever taken. We had to write some really challenging essays in this course, uh, long papers, all based on cartoons, the history of the cartoon. It was a fantastic class, and I, re- I remember Windsor McKay specifically because we studied Gertie the Dinosaur. So it was really exciting for me to kind of revisit some of this uh, in researching this episode. So in Little Nemo, in the game, there are eight dreams that you pass through, which are really just eight levels, eight worlds. 
that you'll, you'll, you'll dig through these worlds looking for magic keys, and the magic keys unlock the door of sleep. So in true Nintendo Power fashion, we have maps, we have tips and tricks, we have the key locations, which is very important. Uh, this is a, ver- a very important element of this game. Uh, just like the boy, uh, a boy in his blob, which is another game that's one of my favorites, and we talked about that in a previous episode. You feed candy, uh, not to a blob, but you feed candy to animals, and in feeding candy to animals, you get special abilities. So you have to tame the animals. You know, you'll have the frog that can jump. You'll have a mole that can dig. There's a gorilla, a bee, a lizard. There's lots of animals. There's lots of variety, and uh, that really expands the gameplay. I like this. There's actually an image of of Nemo in the magazine. There's an image of Nemo riding a gorilla. Uh, and it says, the gorilla can take you to the top of the tree to find the lizard, but it's a tough climb. Jump up and down on the branches until the deadly lion seed floats straight at you, then dodge. So we have some tips and tricks here, but the image of the gorilla has him. Uh, he's like a smug gorilla smoking a cigar. I feel like you wouldn't put that in front of children these days, uh, but I thought that was pretty funny. So it goes through all the different dreams uh, page by page. It wraps up with a nice cliffhanger. I like that they don't give away the ending in this uh, feature of Nintendo Power. But yes, overall, this is just such an awesome game. One of my favorites. Uh, And I think, again, it was because of this huge variety in gameplay. There's so much you can do, so much you can explore. And the ability to feed the animals and get these different abilities really expands the game. I actually, in, in revisiting this game, I can't believe that... Uh, Little Nemo never got a sequel uh, or a continuation of this franchise. And maybe it has, and I just couldn't find it. So if you're aware of that, uh, definitely let me know. You can reach me on Twitter at Yo Powertime, Y-O Powertime. Maybe due to the franchising, trying to license that character is is a challenge, uh, but never a feature. So up next, I want to actually play another track from Start Select because they just so happened to cover two games from this issue and uh, this is the featured game for this issue so we're going to check this out uh, and then we're going to just jump right in to I I think you can already guess what it is Uh, but let's check it out Medical alert, microscopic monsters have come out in force to take over the lab of the famous plumber-turned-practitioner, Dr. Mario. You've got to set things straight by manipulating Dr. Mario's special vitamin capsules and making matches to obliterate the menace. It's Tetris-style strategic fun for one or two players. This is Dr. Mario. So here we are. We have the featured game for this issue, Dr. Mario. Of course, it is a puzzle game, much like Tetris. Also like Tetris, which we covered in episode nine. This whole feature is kind of weird, this review. So it's really challenging on this podcast to cover a puzzle game at great length. There's really not that much information out there, uh, but I, I want to cover some of it. Uh, because it's such an iconic, such a classic game. And there's a little bit out there that I thought was interesting. Uh, but again, nothing that warrants you know a full deep dive. So in Dr. Mario, you have to destroy germs by stacking or lining up colored two-sided capsules, two-sided vitamins that match the color of the germs. The A button rotates the capsules clockwise. The B button rotates the capsules counterclockwise. 
There are some examples of how to play in this issue, uh, along with some details on a two-player mode. But ultimately, like that Tetris feature, it just ends up uh, saying you got to practice. I mean, that's really the only advice is you have to practice because this game is pretty simple. You just can, uh, it's almost like connect four. Like you just have to connect the same colors and then uh, the germs disappear uh, once you line up uh, vitamins of the same color. So for me, the best part about this feature is the awesome illustrations of Mario as a doctor and Mario and Luigi playing competitive Dr. Mario on an NES. I thought that was kind of meta, uh, pretty cool. But what I do want to do in this in this particular segment is I want to dig a little bit into the history of this title because there's there is something there. So it was released in October of 1990 in the U.S. Uh, Dr. Mario, of course, was developed by Nintendo. This title was put together, uh, designed and developed by Nintendo Research and Development One. It was produced by Gunpai Yokoi. And the music was composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. Uh, Hirokazu was known for Super Mario Land, Metroid. Uh, Later, he would be known for Earthbound. Uh, So he has some chops, of course, composing. And we listened to some music already from uh, Dr. Mario. And it is definitely a memorable, iconic soundtrack. Uh, Gunpai Yokoi. This is a huge character uh, in the story of Nintendo. He had a huge role in the history of the company, starting all the way back in 1965, when Nintendo was still in the card manufacturing business. So Yokoi started in the 60s, but he would later develop the game and watch line of handheld games, uh, which have has its own lineage, its own history. And he apparently mentored Miyamoto as the young budding developer was beginning to create games like Donkey Kong, the original Mario Brothers. Uh, Yokoi was kind of serving as a mentor. Uh, He produced Kid Icarus. He produced Metroid, ROB, the robot. He is also credited for leading the team, the research and development team that created the Game Boy. Uh, So Yokoi was definitely a strong player in Nintendo, especially during these early years, creating all these awesome games. The designer of this game, Dr. Mario, was Takahiro Harada. I couldn't find too many other games that he was credited on. So there's holes in the history here, uh, at least for some of the characters. There's a review of Dr. Mario from All Game. Uh, This is back in 1990. It states, when puzzle games were flooding the market, Dr. Mario stands out as one of the best, combining a smooth learning curve, playful graphics, and memorable tunes. And fundamental concepts may be simple, but the addictive gameplay becomes progressively more complex as the speed increases and additional viruses are added. So great praise for Dr. Mario. Uh, As we'll hear later on, it also appeared on the Game Boy in the same year, so multi-platform. The reception was generally really positive for this game. Nintendo quickly had a puzzle game in its own repertoire in addition to Tetris, uh, which we learned was not initially conceived by Nintendo, uh, just licensed. So we'll see other puzzlers from Nintendo. We'll see Yoshi, Yoshi's Cookie, Wario's Woods. But I would say that none of them really had the staying power the same way that Tetris and Dr. Mario had. Uh, we're going to take a quick interlude to listen to a song. And I, I love this song. I also recently discovered this one uh, on Bandcamp.com, which is a great website to discover music, uh, by the way. It's not a Mario, Dr. Mario cover per se, uh, but I definitely think that you're going to love this. Thank you. 
So that was Dr. Mario from Carl Swiftney and the Robin Hood Academy. Check out the link in the show notes uh, or check out the actual show notes for this site to listen to more of their tracks. You can go to powertimepodcast.com slash 18 to get that link. Uh, I love this. We kind of have a lo-fi theme going on uh, in this particular episode, but it's it's awesome. So I found a list of appearances, of all of the appearances by Dr. Mario over the years. So here's just a few, uh, just to show the staying power of Dr. Mario. So he was the main playable character, of course, in Dr. Mario for the NES and the Game Boy. Uh, there was Tetris in Dr. Mario on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, Dr. Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64. He was uh, an unlockable playable character in some of the Smash Brothers games, starting with Super Smash Brothers Melee. Uh, we also have the classic NES Dr. Mario title that was a port of the original game on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, Dr. Mario and Puzzle League, uh, also on the Game Boy Advance. We have Dr. Mario Online RX on the Wii. We have Dr. Mario Express on the Nintendo DSi. Uh, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Again, another unlockable playable character in that. And then we have Dr. Mario Miracle Cure for the Nintendo 3DS. Then he makes a bunch of different cameos and a bunch of different things, including a comic book. So Dr. Mario is here to stay um, in some form or another. It looks like he appeared on every Nintendo console since the Nintendo, uh, in many cases, as a full version of the game, Dr. Mario. So the legacy of this title is strong. I personally was a Warriors Woods slash Yoshi guy. Uh, I always dug the two-player mode for Dr. Mario. I recently played a bit of this at work on the NES Classic. Uh, definitely still holds up. This game is fantastic. It's worth checking out. And it's as we just mentioned, it's available on a ton of different platforms. So you should have no trouble finding this to play. Uh, and that's going to wrap up Dr. Mario. Uh, I would love to spend more time on it, but we have so much content to cover in this episode. So not too much narrative behind the game's release, uh, but definitely stick around because this episode, uh, episode number 18, it's about to take a bit of a dark turn. Go forth, destroy Dracula with the knowledge of a master. Trip into Castle Banya's past. Make your way to the castle of Count Dracula. A wretched and winding path must be followed to reach Dracula, who plots from his lair in Curse Castle to overrun Europe with his undead forces. This is Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. And we just listened to just a bit of Arm Cannons, Castlevania 3, the intro, and the clock tower. Again, another great track. Check out the link in the show notes to listen to more of Arm Cannon. So this feature on Castlevania 3, I'm just going to share a little bit from the intro here. So you, you can uh, choose from three helpful spirits. In Castlevania 3, you play the role of Trevor Belmont, youthful hero and originator of the Belmont Warlord line. Your task is to foil the schemes of the Middle Ages' ultimate evil, Count Dracula. You will not be alone in your quest to conquer the Count. Along the way, you'll encounter three companion spirits, each with special abilities, which you can enlist as your allies. Choose wisely the spirit you take along, uh, for you can only have one accompany you at a time in your journey. In addition, once a helper has been dismissed, you cannot gain his services again. So a little bit about the gameplay here. There's a bunch of different routes you can take, but here's what I really want to touch on. This feature on Castlevania 3 has 21 pages dedicated to it, and I'm pretty sure 
that in a single issue, that's the longest uh, feature to date. That's the longest section that I've seen uh, dedicated to one game in Nintendo Power, and it's massive. There are so many maps, so many tips, so many enemy tutorials, item locations, story tidbits uh, in this particular volume. There's also an extension of the map on the back of the pullout poster in this issue. So you could you know, tear out the perforated poster and hang that up on your wall uh, and get a, get a look at some of the final uh, paths that you can take in Castlevania 3. So Dracula's Curse, of course, was brought to us by Konami. It is a prequel to the original Castlevania. It's very different from Simon's Quest. It's a non-linear game. There's a ton of depth. Uh, you can seek out a companion character, as we talked about. You can approach the game in a few different ways. You can take uh, different combinations of paths to get to and through the castle. Uh, and I could easily spend an additional 20 minutes talking about Castlevania 3 and this feature. Uh, but at the risk of this episode being over an hour, I'm actually just going to push forward. Uh, I apologize for all the Castlevania 3 fans. I'm a huge Castlevania 3 fan. I wish it was a cover game because I would spend more time on it. Uh, remind me at some point to revisit Castlevania 3, maybe a standalone episode, because I think it is one of the top games on the NES of all time. It's actually been in the top 10 in future Nintendo Power lists, but then also other future top NES game lists as well. Uh, so maybe we'll, we'll revisit Castlevania 3, uh, but I'm just going to jump into the next section of the magazine, which is a brand new section uh, in Nintendo Power. It's called Now Playing. So they introduced this new section by saying, to keep track of the dozens of new releases for the NES every month, we've created a new section of Nintendo Power called Now Playing. Get the lowdown on the latest games available at NES retailers and compare game features by using Nintendo Power's exclusive chart. Here's a look at a few games that will appeal to some game players, but won't be covered by future reviews. So I think they were spending way too much time on uh, minor games and spending so much time playing and reviewing those. Uh, looks like they're consolidating a bit. So the games covered here, Digger, Thunderbirds, Pipe Dream, Street Fighter 2010, Destiny of an Emperor. Uh, there's a long list of titles too. Big Birds, Hide and Speak, Dragon Warrior 2, Gremlins 2, Mega Man 3, Muppet Adventure, TMNT 2, uh, Yo Noid is here. That's a classic. Uh, so some of these will get featured in future issues, but here I think it's just um, to present more titles. Uh, they're just consolidating. Uh, so this is a nice little section. Uh, we'll, we'll pick this apart in future issues. Uh, but I want to jump into our next segment of the show, which of course is previews. So really the bulk of the previews for this issue, it, they come directly from Packwatch. Looks like they consolidated previews a bit too. So the first preview is Deja Vu, which is a detective game from Kemco Sika. And it plays out like a film noir Shadowgate. Uh, Mega Man 3 is listed here, which we'll soon cover uh, because it's a featured game. It's on the cover of the next uh, proper issue. Mega Man 3 is easily one of my favorite Mega Man games, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, I don't think it's the best Mega Man game, but it's definitely my favorite. Uh, one quote here really made me laugh when I was reading this section. Uh, While the plot is complicated, the emphasis is on the action. And I'd never really known uh, Mega Man, especially the early titles, to be really uh, plot heavy, especially complicated plots. Uh, they also spoil in this preview that you'll be facing the robot masters from Mega Man 2, which I thought was kind of lame to spoil because I thought that was a nice surprise in the actual game. Uh, it shows off the slide move. It shows off some of Rush's new functionality. Um, so there's a lot to be excited for for Mega Man 3, and we'll be covering that soon. Next up, we have a preview for the Simpsons game by Acclaim, uh, which ultimately would become Bart versus the Space Mutants. Some very interesting tidbits of information here, but nothing too revealing, nothing too exciting. But I guess, you know, we're so far removed from the Simpsons hype. As I mentioned, Bart Simpson was on Time Magazine. Uh, so the Simpsons were, I guess, peaking at this moment uh, in terms of popularity. There was actually just a really good uh, podcast episode by Retronauts, Retronauts Mini, I believe it was on Virtual Bart. I was listening to that. Not a great game by any means, but it was fun to listen to them talk about The Simpsons uh, and talk about that particular title. Uh, other games previewed, Skater Die 2, SimCity, Star Tropics, Shadow of the Ninja, Kabuki Quantum Fighter, Werewolf, 
Conquest of the Crystal Palace. A lot of these games I've never even heard of. Uh, a new wrestling game. We have WWF WrestleMania Challenge. Three soccer games. Wayne Gretzky's Hockey. Mike Ditka's Big Play Football. And a few more. There's a section here called Gossip Galore. That brings us Double Dragon 3, Flintstones and Jetsons games. We have RoboCop 2 and a few more titles referenced here. What would really excite me in the previews for this issue is a very small preview on the Super Famicom. So last August at the Shoshinkai Licensee Show in Tokyo, this pack watcher got his first peek at the Super Famicom and the awesome new Super Mario World from Nintendo. So we get a look at the 16-bit system and we get a look at two screenshots of Super Mario World, and that is just incredibly exciting. We have a new generation, a new console coming, uh, and I can't imagine, uh, I don't remember, so I can't even imagine what it felt like uh, to start to watch these previews unfold, knowing that a new Nintendo is on the cusp of release. Uh, And we also have a really interesting section here as well, too. So diehard Nintendo fans are going to appreciate this. There's a preview Uh, It's actually a debut, I think, of an unassuming RPG that plays like Final Fantasy, but it's set in the modern world, which sounds like a blast, especially we covered Final Fantasy in the last issue. It's a fan favorite for many. Uh, And this game, it's due out in the fall of 1991. It's called Earthbound. It's an epic adventure with gameplay like Final Fantasy, but set in the modern world Baseball bats and psychic powers take the place of swords and sorcery. The main character, a kid with latent PSI talents, searches for the truth behind the legend of a mysterious ancestor. Many things will hinder the lad's quest, including poltergeists, giant rats, and crazy hippies. Earthbound, which was released as Mother in Japan, features a giant world to explore and tons of puzzles to solve, all with a touch of humor. So, Earthbound was not released uh, due out in the fall of 1991, but I it never made it to the United States. Uh, so a little bit of history here. I think it's always interesting when we see games that never actually uh, came to the US be featured in Nintendo Power. So I'll keep an eye out for more of those, but Earthbound gets a little feature. There's some screenshots here. I believe it was re-released as Earthbound Origins for Nintendo DS. I have not played it, uh, but that's something I'm interesting, interested in revisiting because Earthbound for Super Nintendo is one of my top games as well. So that brings us to our our next section, which is That's So Retro. In this segment of the show, I like to just cover things that are super retro, remind me of the 90s. Uh, The first thing here is a sticky situation, uh, which is a letter that was written uh, in Player's Pulse. So in Player's Pulse, uh, I believe it's uh, in kind of the the mailbag. People would send in letters to Nintendo Power. There's one here called a sticky situation. This was listed under a section called Your Worst Nintendo Nightmare. I was playing Super Mario Bros. 3 and had finally made it to King Koopa. I was thirsty, so before I took him on, I paused the game and got a Pepsi. I took a long drink and set it down. A friend walked in and just then to see how far along I was. My parakeet had climbed out of its cage to observe. Then my friend jumped onto the bed, startling the bird, which took off and crashed into my Pepsi. Knocking it against the reset button, it reset my game, but worse yet, it spilled Pepsi all over me. Uh, So that was a letter from Neil in Cypress, California, and I just thought that was the most comical letter. It just felt like a cartoon character, uh, a scene from a cartoon playing out, spilling Pepsi all over yourself. Uh, So that was a fun uh, retro little note here. Um, As always, I like to share Counselor's Corner uh, where we learn about the location of the warp whistles. Again, with Nintendo Power, we didn't have the internet back then, so it was through magazines and through word of mouth that we learned about things like the Mario 3 warp whistles. So I thought that was cool that that was covered here. Uh, certainly covered in previous uh, previous issues as well, especially the Mario 3 guide. Uh, but nice little throwback. I also like to cover at least one gameplay counselor profile in every episode. So in this episode, I want to cover Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson, awesome. He's got a nice mullet. Uh, He started as a gameplay counselor in January of 1989. So he has almost a year under his belt, um, or I guess two years. He has two years under his belt uh, as a gameplay counselor. His hobbies include drawing, water skiing, playing soccer, listening to Van Halen 
and Tossin Frisbees. T-O-S-S-I-N apostrophe. Tossin. It's best NES accomplishment. I've mastered over 250 games. Uh, so he is a true Nintendo master. Uh, he played over 250 titles. His favorite NES game is Castlevania 3. So Brian Anderson, we salute you here at Power Time. Not covered is Lee Douglas, Kirk Starr, who's awesome, uh, and Sean Bloom. So a great uh, quartet of gameplay counselor profiles in this particular issue. Um, really, really great uh, to read more about them. Up next, also retro, we have NES Achievers. This is when people get to send in pictures of their high scores and get listed in Nintendo Power with their name and their score. One of the things I noticed for the first time, this may have been in older issues, is that people got listed just for finishing games. So there are games here where there is no high score, but people just sent in and they made it to the end. So they got their name and location listed uh, just for finishing the game, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to point out in this uh, particular issue, and I'm going to follow this issue by issue, uh, they have the Tetris Game Boy version high score leaderboard. And at the top of the board is none other than Steve Wozniak of Apple fame, Los Gatos, California. Uh, and his high score absolutely shatters the second place score. So it's 507,000 uh, against 267,000, which is crazy. So it's really interesting to see Steve Wozniak listed here. And I actually confirmed that it was the actual Steve Wozniak of Apple fame. The pullout poster for this month, as I mentioned, it, it had Castlevania's map on the back, but on the front, it was Mega Man 3. And I definitely remember some buddies of mine having this one. The art style here is nothing like anything I've ever seen with Mega Man before. Uh, so it's very interesting. It's not like your typical Mega Man art style. Uh, so I don't know who they contracted for this one. Shows off Dr. Wily and the eight uh, bosses that you fight, uh, the eight robot masters. Um, so cool poster. I definitely remember this one. Uh, but, you know, you had to choose. You had to choose. Do I want to show off the Mega Man poster or do I need that sweet Castlevania 3 map to help me get through Dracula's castle? Uh, really tough choice. So we're coming towards the end of the episode. I want to jump into the next segment, which is, are we having fun yet? So in this segment, I really just like to cover uh, some fun things that I thought were pretty awesome. Didn't really fit in that so retro. It's kind of a catch-all. They didn't really fit in the main features. Uh, and the first thing I want to cover is this whole section on Game Boy. So Game Boy gets a huge featured spot in this issue in what Nintendo Power refers to as a magazine within a magazine. Covered extensively here, we have DuckTales, Dr. Mario, RoboCop, and NES Play Action Football. Starting with DuckTales, they refer to this as a faithful translation from NES to Game Boy. It actually looks pretty good in the magazine. I watched some YouTube footage. It's not perfect. I wouldn't actually call it a faithful translation. Uh, but considering you're going to get DuckTales, you know, one of the best games of the year on a handheld, it's pretty sweet. Uh, Dr. Mario and Robocop look pretty great. Uh, but NES Play Action Football actually looks like garbage. So I don't know if anyone had this as a kid. If you want to weigh in, if you played this a ton and it actually was good, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Yo Powertime, Y-O Powertime. Let me know if you had NES Play Action Football on the Game Boy and if it was any good. Uh, the Howard and Nestor comic, uh, pretty fun in this particular issue. Pretty weird. It covers Maniac Mansion. There's kind of this bizarre tension between Nestor and Razor, who is one of the female leads from the game. Uh, somehow they managed to show off some of the secrets in the game by way of Nestor trying to impress Razor. Uh, so there's a nod to the Hunkomatic exercise machine uh, and pulling the bush from the basement grate. Uh, so that was one thing that you could do in the game uh, to discover a secret entrance to the house. Classified information. Uh, there is a section here in classified information, which was tips, tricks, secrets, uh, where you can find a second Bowser in Mario 3 uh, by flying uh, over one of the walls in the last stage. I actually did not know this. Uh, so interesting to learn something new. Uh, there are two Bowsers in Mario 3. And finally, we have Kadeem Hardison, uh, who played Dwayne Wayne on NBC's A Different World. That is the celebrity profile for this issue. Uh, nothing too major in that one. There's a bunch of profiled participants from the 1990 Power Fest competition. 
Uh, so I actually went down this rabbit hole where I watched a YouTube video from Jason Orlando, who's listed here. I think he was 15 in the magazine. Now he's an adult. Uh, Jason Orlando posted a video of his performance at the PowerFest competition. So I thought that that was pretty awesome that these artifacts exist. Uh, so I might continue down this rabbit hole and see if any of the other participants uh, talk about their history as participants in the PowerFest competition. That's going to cover this issue. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to wrap it up with the top 10 as reported in issue number 18's top 30. Uh, so I don't typically cover all 30, but I like to wrap it up by talking about the top 10. Of course, we have Super Mario Brothers 3 at number one, Final Fantasy, which has gotten extensive coverage at number two, Mega Man 2 at number three, Tetris at number four, Ninja Gaiden 2 at number five, Ninja Gaiden at number six. Uh, so I guess interest in Ninja Gaiden 2 has uh, renewed interest in Ninja Gaiden 1. Number seven, we have Super Mario Brothers 2. We have Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link at number eight, The Legend of Zelda at number nine, and we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at number 10. Um, so lots of Nintendo titles, a uh, few others. Of course, the Ninja Gaiden franchise, still super popular. Uh, there is a Game Boy Top 10 in this issue as well. So we have Super Mario Land, Gargoyles Quest, Batman, Tetris, Golf, The Dalian Opus, Castlevania The Adventure, Nemesis, Alleyway, and NFL Football. That's your top 10. No shortage of amazing games heading into the 1990 holiday season. You know, the NES is still very much in a peak. In the next issue, uh, we have Nintendo Power's strategy guide for the four-player special. So this is a four-player special strategy guide. It is the last numbered strategy guide. So up until now, the one-off strategy guide issues have been numbered volumes of Nintendo Power. So I've been covering them. This is the last strategy guide that I'll be covering. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how we're going to cover this one. So stay tuned. I'll find a way to make it fun. After that, we are heading into January 1991 with Mega Man 3, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, The Immortal, and I quote, our regular roundup of radical readings. So January 1991, we're entering into a new year uh, with one of the greatest games of all time, Mega Man 3. So stay tuned for that one. It's going to be a great episode. I featured so much music in the Mega Man 2 episode. I'll probably end up doing the same thing with Mega Man 3. Uh, featured music for this episode, we have Azor Flux with the unofficial uh, Power Time theme song, Eat My Chips. We have Start Select with Little Nemo, Start Select with Dr. Mario. We have Carl Swifty and the Robin Hood Academy with Dr. Mario. And we have Arm Cannon with Castlevania 3, the intro and Clock Tower. You can check out links to all of these in the show notes. Go listen to these artists because they produce even more amazing music that I can't feature uh, throughout every episode. Uh, you can also check out the show notes at powertimepodcast.com slash 18 uh, if you want to go look at the full notes. Uh, and again, check out these links. Go support these artists so that they can continue to create fantastic music. If you want to keep in touch with me, uh, or leave some feedback. A quick review on iTunes is always awesome. It really helps me to improve the show. And you can follow me and interact with me on Twitter at Yo Power Time. It's probably the easiest way. Uh, I've been off Facebook for a couple, uh, I guess about a month now, maybe six weeks, uh, taking a break from Facebook. So I have a Facebook page. You can go like it. Uh, powertimepodcast.com slash Facebook, I think will take you there. Uh, but yes, for the most part, I've been dormant on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, best way to, to follow me and interact going to wrap it up for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for your time and attention uh, covering Dr. Mario today. It was a lot of fun. Little Nemo. I'm going to fire up the NES and play some Little Nemo because just reading about it and, and listening to some of that music is really getting me excited uh, to jump back into that game. Stay tuned for more Power Time coming up. And as always, keep on playing with power. <laughs> 